0: This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. All right. Well, I'm excited to be here. Hey, Life Church, those of you online, good to have you online with us. We're so glad you're jo- joining in. I just had a conversation with a lady here this morning. She says, Yeah, I'm living in Florida now, but I watch you every Sunday. And uh, she, she's here today, though. But uh, it was, uh, it's exciting. Thank you for joining in with us. Um, we are in this series called Love is Hard, where we've been talking about the, this, this idea of, of love and relationships and how, um, how it can be challenging at times, right? And last week, we asked the question, what if, or not we asked the question, but it was a, the question that kind of t- uh, was what we talked about, is that the question is often asked, what if I'm with the wrong person? And that presupposes a lot of things. It presupposes that there's, there's challenges in a the relationship. There's difficulties in a relationship. We're going to kind of continue on to that theme this morning. And I brought Mr. and Mrs. Mugg to help me. Although I'm not going to talk about them too, too much this, this morning. But they're helping me because just in case you start falling asleep, if I don't see you, they will. All right? Those of you that laughed, those of you that did not laugh, we're looking at you. <laughs> All right, you know, there's an old Dean Martin song. Some of you probably like, who's Dean Martin? I, I had to look him up. I didn't know who he was either, but I'm um, just kidding. <laughs> I'm not that old, but yes, I, I'm old enough to remember Dean Martin. Um, there's a song that, that was a very popular song of his. In fact, it's kind of, it fills a lot of ro- romantic comedy movies, just ro- uh, movies, you know, romantic movies that is, it's used as background music. It's used in, like, you know, you'll find a scene where maybe a couple is in a, you know, in a restaurant and in the background the music is playing, you know, and it's just, it's this Dean Martin song. It basically goes like this. The, the chorus goes like this You're nobody till somebody loves you you're nobody till somebody loves you. i just sit on that for a second. If I said that to you, you would probably look at me and say, no, no, what do you mean I'm a nobody? Because that's how we would interpret that. What do you mean I'm nobody? I am somebody. But in our culture, there is this idea that we need somebody to love, and we want somebody to love us back, Right? Dean Martin's conclusion is, you're nobody till somebody loves you, so find somebody to love. Find somebody to love. This kind of captures how many feel about relationships, that we're not complete unless we have somebody. Unless we find that special someone, our destiny is not really fulfilled. It's that old Jerry Maguire line, you complete me right and as romantic as that might sound it's not true my wife and i we actually had this i i used to uh, uh, early on when we first got married you know i got married to Christy. She's a couple years older than me, and she was already working, a, you know, a, a registered nurse working and independent in many ways. And so um, I wasn't necessarily pro- proposing this, but there was this idea that floats in our culture that there's somebody out there that once you find them, meet them, you know, get in a relationship with them, that they will they will complete you. They're just the, they're just the right person for you. And my wife used to challenge that notion. She was like, wait a minute. Are you saying, this is what she would say, are you saying there's only like one person on the face of the earth that can possibly complete you? And, and she would challenge that. And I'd get offended at that. I'm like, wait, are you trying to say that there's somebody else out there that, that you would be happy with, maybe even happier than me, than with me? And uh, you know, I would be challenged with that, right? And it all comes from this idea that you're nobody till somebody loves you. Consequently, having a relationship with someone is the ultimate quest for us, right? That's what we strive for. And there's nothing wrong in having a wonderful, loving relationship with that other person. But if the reason to have it, if the reason to pursue it is because of this idea that you need somebody to love and somebody to love you back, then there's something inherently wrong with that idea. So somehow, in our culture, we've communicated that. We've communicated that. That you're only half a person if you are not half of a couple. And that's not true. So why, why, is, that, why is that true? Why is this idea a reality in our culture? Why are we, well, and again, remember, this is a cultural assumption which oftentimes we're blind to. We don't, we don't see it, we don't recognize it, but we kind of live by it. And inadvertently, you know, and oftentimes it's because we're bombarded in the media, we're bombarded in all spheres of life that this is the way it should be. And sometimes our own heart deceives us into that. Our own heart draws us into thinking that I just, I'm not going to be happy until I'm with that person, right? And so there's this idea, this notion, but why is that, why does that exist? Why is that there? And here's the reason why. I believe that the reason why we feel that way and the reason why this culture Really, in many ways, promotes it through media, through through books, through movies, is because love is a basic need. You and I, we need love. Now, if you're a guy here, if you're like a macho guy here, you don't you you, you say I don't need anything, right? I don't need anything. I'm I'm self sufficient. But the truth is that every single Human being needs love. We've been hardwired that way. Love is not like ice cream or, you know, a lake house, or it's not a luxury, it's not an accessory to your life. Love is a basic need, like water, like shelter, like food. We need love. And studies actually kind of prove that. Think about it, you know, if a child was to be born and was to be that love was to be withheld from that child. Care and nurture was to be withheld from that child. We all would agree that that stunts this child's growth, that, that affects this child emotionally, psychologically. We would all agree on that. But what's interesting, that studies have actually showed even more than that, that there is this developmental thing that starts happening that, or lack of when, when a, a child is not nurtured and loved early on. There's this article in time, time.com, used to be Time Magazine, <clears throat> Says this, it may seem obvious that an isolated parentless toddler, okay, it may seem obvious, it's obvious to all of us, that an isolated parentless toddler, with or without social contact with peers, will suffer emotional, emotionally from, a, from lack of, of parental love. So it's obvious to us, nobody would disagree or dispute that if a toddler is, is not having emotion, a, a love, or affection, that that ch- toddler will, will be affected. Emotionally, okay? What's not obvious is that without devoted, repeated acts of love, a child's brain doesn't make the growth hormone needed for proper mental and physical development. And numerous other imbalances are also created. So not only only emotionally is a child stunted because of the lack of care and nurture and love, but also even physiologically, even physically a child is stunted. So we need love. God has hardwired us to need love. But here's the irony about this, in our culture especially, is that my need for love often undermines my ability to give love. Because all of us need love. You can stand here and say, I don't need love. You can tell me that. But all of us need love. My need for love often undermines my ability to love somebody or to give love. This is really what we're going to be talking about. Today. Let me kind of explain it this way. Because of this overwhelming need for love in human beings, we've, we've turned love into like a commodity. It's something that we barter with. Something that's transactional in nature, right? So I have a, an image here. Let's pull that image up. Let's imagine this is me, this is you, this is, uh, this is Rich and Christy, this is you and your spouse, this is uh, you and a parent, you and a child, and if we look at love from a transactional standpoint a commodity of sorts, then what I do is I give love and, and I get love in return. You know, and you know how that is. You know, when Mr. and Mrs. Mugg met, they kind of treated each other d- gently and delicately and they loved each other and they cared for each other, and that... That exchange of love and care just, you know, caused more love and care to happen. And we felt so excited about that. You know, man, I learned something in this transaction. I learned that when I give love, I get love in return. And that feels good, right? No? Doesn't it feel good to get love back, get loved back? Of course it feels good. And so we learned very early on that when I'm getting love, oftentimes it's preceded by me giving love. And so I learned to give love to get love. It's a transactional model. And that's really how oftentimes many, many relationships operate. In fact, I would venture off to say that there's quite a few of you here in this room right now that operate on this transactional model. And as long as everything is going fine with Mr. and Mrs. Mugg and They're not overwhelmed with debt, and they're not overwhelmed with taking care of kids, and they're not overwhelmed with, you know, a job situation and all that kind of stuff. That transactional model works, seemingly, okay? But then what happens, here's the next diagram. What happens when what I'm getting is not in proportion to what I'm giving? Don't raise your hand, but I'm certain of it. That somebody in this room, if not a lot of us in this room, have been in a place where we were giving and not getting proportionately back. Or we were getting and we were not giving proportionately back. We call that like selfishness, right? Of sorts. What typically happens with this? It, what's the breakdown? Do you expect it to continue going and going and going? What typically happens is because I need love, I don't want to keep giving and not getting getting back in return. And so my reaction to this right here is I start withholding love. I start holding back. I don't want to, I'm, I'm tired of giving and not getting in return, so I'm going to hold back love. And it's, often what causes the breakdown of the relationship. And you, we understand. I see it's a very natural idea for us because in this model, I mean, who pays for services and then not get the services, right? I mean, how many of you will pay for your DirecTV bill or whatever, Dish Network, whatever you have, how many of you would pay for that bill and only get 10 days of service a month? Right, you wouldn't. You would look at that, you say, wait a minute, no, it's not working. I paid for 30 days, and I'm only getting 10 days. I'm not going to pay for it. Fix the problem, and then I'll start paying. Or you go to Target, and you shop, and you get groceries, and you get a bunch of other things, and you pay for it. You go to the counter, you pay for it, and then you just walk away from your cart, leave it there at Target, let them restock it, and you walk away. Who does that? Nobody does that. So this right here, this idea of if I'm not getting love, I'm going to withhold love is a very natural idea for us. This is how we think. We think that this is the way it should be. And so you stop giving love because you're not getting love. <clears throat> this is how we see love. We're not getting it back, so I'm not going to give it. And this happens in relationships all the time. It doesn't happen overnight. You know this. If you've been, those of you here that have maybe experienced divorce, for example, You know. You didn't like, well, one day in love, everything was great, and then woke up the next day and said, you know what? I don't love this person. I'm done. We're divorcing. It's not usually how it happens, right? What happens is this, that it's, we start eroding away at love, eroding away at love, eroding away at love, eroding away at love. And before long, we finally say, that's it. I'm not going to give love anymore. I've been giving and not getting a return. I've been giving and not getting I'm stopping I'm stopping this. And then when it starts going both ways where we're not exchanging love with each other, what ends up happening is we finally decide I need to find it somewhere else, right? See, your need for love undermines your ability to give love, to love. Let's think about it in terms of of water, right? All of us in this room, no matter what your socioeconomic status is, you're going to go home today and you can turn a faucet on in your house and water will begin to flow. I don't want you to rate, because there might be somebody. I was going to say, how many of you are afraid if you go home and you turn the faucet on, it's not going to flow, water's not going to flow? Most of us not. Don't feel that way, right? Because we know that there's typically an endless supply of water, that we can turn the faucet on and water will begin to flow. Not only will it begin to flow, but it'll, we can like leave it on day and night, and it'll flow all day, all night long. Now, we won't do that because our water bill will be too high, but we could potentially do that. We have no fear of not having water because we know that wherever the water comes from, there's an endless supply. Now, intellectually, we all know that that's not true. That water can be used up, but for us, practically, personally, in our home, we know that if we turn a water faucet on, we can leave it on and it'll just flow and flow. In fact, if your neighbor is out having, you know, a heat stroke and says, come knocks on your door says, I need a glass of water, you're going to be like, you won't deny that person water. Why? Because you have an endless supply of water. You know that you can spare water, right? Are you f- tracking with me? That's true for all of us. No matter whether you're rich or poor, we know that we have water, every one of us. But there are places in, in this world, huge populations in this world, that that's not the case, that their story is very different. Their relationship with water, their experience with water is very different. There are countries where, kind of de- underdeveloped countries where they have to walk for miles and miles to get water, sometimes up to five miles one way just to get clean drinking water for their family. So I want you, for example, for, for just a second, put yourself in their shoes. Imagine that you could not go home, turn the water on, and get water. Imagine that you would go home, and if you needed water, you'd have to walk to uh, wherever your home is to like a store that's five or six miles away just to get water. And you'd have to walk there. You couldn't drive there. That's your story. And so you'd get those, your five-gallon bucket, that you could carry to that place, you'd walk to that place to get water. You then fill that bucket up with clean drinking water. Your family's back home waiting for that water. You walk all the way back home to your family. You're on your way there to the, to the house, you're walking back with this, you know, 40-plus pounds of water. You're, wa- you're walking back home when, when you see some stranger on the road, and they say, I am thirsty, I need water. You have your five-gallon bucket. There's a stranger, maybe there's a couple of strangers, and they just desperately need water. And they might even say to you, can you share half your water with me? I know there's different people. They might respond in a different way. But isn't it true that all of us, if it was a limited supply, all of us would be very cautious on how much we would give water away? We wouldn't do it. Most of us wouldn't. And the reason why is because we don't have an endless supply, because we need it for ourselves. And this is often how our relationships work. Love is like water, and we need it. We need it. We desperately need it. And because we're in this transactional model of of a relationship of giving and receiving love, then it's very difficult for us to give love when we're not getting love, right? In fact, I'm sure there's some of you right here, right now, that are, I don't know, you're probably not... Elbowing the person next to you. But you're probably sitting here. You, you, you look good. <laughs> you know, you, you came into church. You had your church face on. Everything's great. Everything looks, on the outside looks good, but you're going to go home and you're going to immediately jump into this model of, you know, I'm not getting from you, so I'm not giving to you. I'm not getting from you, so I'm not giving to you. I'm not getting from you, so I'm not giving to you. And the relationship is eroding. Maybe you've been thinking that that you need love and since you're not getting it maybe you can find it somewhere else with someone else in fact that's really fundamentally that's what exactly why divorces happen that's why there's 50% plus divorce rate in America because at some point this equation of love got broken down and we're not giving kind of reminds me of a story in the scriptures it's this encounter that Jesus has with this woman. Um, you're familiar with it. It's the story of the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Uh, Jesus kind of exposes this woman. This woman appears. She, she shows up at the well at a different hour because uh, maybe she was, there was a lot of shame that was associated with her lifestyle. But, but she shows up at the well, and only Jesus is there, and they have this conversation. And Jesus exposes something in her that she hadn't revealed to, to, to Jesus yet. He says to her, "Hey, I know you 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 know you've been married five times and in fact the person you're living with right now is not even your husband so there's this encounter with, of, with, with Jesus of a woman who who has been married multiple times and now she's living with somebody it's a woman who has had some serious relationship problems she's been in and out of several relationships and when we read this story, oftentimes we read this story through Christian eyes, and we kind of miss the, the meaning because we immediately think that this is a story about morality. We immediately think that this is a story about a woman who is immoral. And we don't identify with her because, I mean, after all, she's been married five times, and she's living with somebody. I mean, she's just an immoral woman. And so we tell the story. We talk about the story from a standpoint of immorality, but Jesus is not actually speaking about morality here. He doesn't then after in, in, interacting with his woman, say, hey, you know, let's talk about divorce and remarriage so you can understand that you're making some bad decisions here. That's not what he does. Instead, he addresses another subject. He talks about water and drinking water, okay? In fact, uh, he uses this metaphor that I think is just a powerful, powerful metaphor, something that we, that we should, uh, that we should Embrace ourselves in, in thinking about love as we think about love. He uses the metaphor of thirst. This is what he says in, in verse 13 of chapter 4. <clears throat> Jesus answered, talking to the woman. They've already explained. He's already revealed that she's got these, has had these five husbands and is now living with somebody. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water. Talk about the well water. They're standing around a well. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty Again. In other words, that this water is not going to satisfy. He uses the, the analogy of drinking water to talk about relationships. That in your relationships, if your ability to, to sustain your relationship is totally based on that other person and getting from that other person and drinking from that love fountain that that person's giving you, at some point, at some point in your relationship, you're going to be disappointed. At some point, we you can go back to that, that picture again. That's where the breakdown. At some point, there's going to be this breakdown that happens. And you're going to see that I'm not getting in proportion to what I'm giving. This is not working for me. And I, it's not just marriage relationships, it's, you know, it's parents, with your parents, with your children, and on and on and on. This is what Jesus is getting at. She will give love to get love. And when that well starts running dry, then she'll find another well. And this is exactly what she's been doing over and over and over again. And if you're here and that's your story where you feel like you've been giving but not getting in return, very quickly the thought goes to, well, maybe I need to find another well. Maybe I need to find another person, maybe another person more compatible with me, a person that understands me, a, a person that gets why I feel the way I feel, that the understands, understands me as a person that will love me the way I am. We think that that's how that's going to happen. And it happens over and over and over again in our society. And so like this woman, what we do is we find another well until that well runs dry. And then we go look for another well until that well runs dry. And that's, that's what's happening you see the picture. You see what's happening here. This is what Jesus is really addressing. He goes on in verse, in, in verse 14. says, Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Okay, so if your source of love is another person, you're gonna always be thirsty. You'll be thirsty again and again and again. It happen, has to happen all the time. But, here's a contrast, whoever drinks the water, I give them. In other words, drinks the water, I give them will never thirst. There's this endless source. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is promising a spring of water for all of us, in all of us. He's saying that he is the source of water. You see, the problem with your relationship is that your partner cannot fully satisfy you. We just gotta get past that. You got to get past this idea that this other person, I found the right person. You're nobody till somebody loves you. That I found this other person, and that person, because it's the right person, they're going to satisfy me. I will always have this love bank full because of this other person, but you got to understand that that person cannot fully eventually, eventually, they will disappoint you, and like I said, it's not just marriage. It's relationship with your parents, with your children, with your coworker. At some point, they will let you down. And when it does, what typically happens, if you're relying on that, if you're relying on that love coming from them to fill you, eventually the well runs dry and we start withholding love. You'll leave thirsty. You'll be searching for something else somewhere somewhere else, right? This is really what Jesus is trying to tell us. Here, Let's look at this next slide. That really, the way this needs to work for all of us is that um, we need a source. So if, if you're sitting here right now, you're married, and you're sitting next to your spouse, look at them and say, you're not my source for love. Or you can be a friend. that will be kind of weird. They'll do that. Um, <laughs> Jesus is claiming to be the source. He is the source of love. And this is the way it should work, right? That we, we get love from God. That It's our relationship with God that fills our tank, our love tank. It's our relationship with God that causes us to feel full. That we are satisfied. We, our identity is, is intact. Our, our sense of satisfaction is complete. Whether we're in a good relationship or not in a good relationship, our sense of identity is intact because we have a relationship with the source. And then as that gets poured into us, we give love. We start giving love to another person, even when we're not getting that in return. And the reason why is because there's this endless supply of love that comes from our heavenly Father to all of us. So here's what you need to understand. We need, and this is really the definition of this, of this model right here, of this love. We need a love from fulfillment instead of for fulfillment. We need a love from fulfillment. In other words, because I am full, I'm able to love. Not love so I can get in return. I tell you what, this seems like an impossible proposition for us, doesn't it? Because see, I'm, here's Pastor Rich, he's talking about these ideals and you're sitting back there saying, yeah, but you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. What Christ is trying to tell us is that we need to be connected to the source. And almost always, I've never, I've never talked to somebody where, where they had broken down relationship, ended up in divorce, where somewhere before the divorce happened, their relationship with the source got broken down as well. We need to be connected to the source. We need to love from fulfillment instead of for fulfillment. See, it was this kind of love that kept Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you you see that picture, but Christ was crucified, nails put through his hands, crown of thorns pressed on his head, 39 times he was, he was whipped, spear in his side, hung on this cross like a common thief. But it was this kind of love that would cause Christ to look at all of his enemies, the people who, who spat on him, the people who made fun of him, mocked him, nailed him to the cross and say things like, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. He was connected to the source of his heavenly father. He was not dependent on getting love back from people so that he can give love. He was connected to the source. It's this kind of love that can change the world. It's this kind of love that can change your relationship. Are you hearing me? Now I realize again, you you probably listen to me and say, yeah, Rich, but you don't know my husband. You don't know my wife. You don't know what they are, what they say, the things that they do. It's hard to love them, and it's hard to love them because of that very thing I'm talking about. You're thinking of love transactionally. That if I love them, I'm not getting back what I expect to get back, and therefore I can't love them. But if you think of love the way Christ loved us, remember what Christ did. While you were still a sinner, while you were out doing drugs, while you were out sleeping around, while you were out boozing it up and getting drunk and doing stupid things, Christ loved you. He loved you, and he did not say, hey, oh, sorry. You said those bad things to your wife. I don't love you anymore. Not until you stop doing that. He tells us that we should love one another just as, just as he's loved us. It's not about a transaction. It's about being connected to the source. In fact, this kind of love is what gives you the courage to stay when it would be so much easier to leave. And I suspect that there's some of you in this room right now that you're saying, I- I'm ready to leave. I'm ready to leave. I'm- it's easy. I'm just going gonna- to, exit- I can exit this relationship right now and be so much happier. But it's this kind of love that gives you the courage to stay because it's not love that's transactional. It's not love that... You- I love because I'm getting love, but rather I'm love. Yes, I'm getting love, but I'm getting love from the source, from my heavenly father. It's this kind of love that'll give you the courage to stay when it's so much easier to leave. Some of you here right now, you think that this is impossible. All things are possible with Christ. I'm gonna ask us to say, I'm gonna pray. Frankly, the only way that things can ever change, in fact, there's some of you in this room right now that you're, you want, you desperately want your relationship to change. You, you desperately, desperately want your relationship to change. And I get that. The only way, the only way you can experience that change is by getting connected to the source. For some of you in this room, that means, as Pastor Wayne prayed earlier, it means, say, hey, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I surrender. I have tried to live my life on my own. I've tried to make this marriage work on my own. I've tried to be the good husband. I've tried to be the good wife. I've tried to be the good dad or the good mother. I've tried to do this on my own. And I'm just failing at it. I do it for five weeks. I do it for six weeks. I do it for six months. But then I, I disappoint. And almost almost always, you've ever heard this, you know, I've, for six months I've been doing the right thing and then I just fell right back in the same trap and my wife looked at me and said, You've never changed. You'll never change. And as long as the idea, the model that we use is transactional love, in other words, I, get, I give love so I can get love, that'll be the cycle you'll live in. And like I said, unless you're not bumping into each other like we talked about last week, relationally, you might be able to maintain that cycle for a while. You might find yourself in a place where like it's, okay, I can, I can do this. I don't like it. You might put other things in your life that kind of satisfy for a while so that you can tolerate the relationship. But if you really want a loving marriage relationship, a loving relationship with your parents, a loving relationship with your your kids, the only way that can really effectively happen is by us being connected to the source. Jesus, fill me every day. Fill me, Lord, with your love. And it's out of that love that I'm able to love those around me. That's not easy but that's the way it happens. Amen. Um, Pastor Jairus is gonna, gonna lead us in a song here. This is beautiful irony of the love of God, and that is that, <clears throat> that He loved you when you were a sinner. He loved me when I was a sinner. When I was out behind in the woods in Duncanville, Texas smoking weed and trying to meet girls you know that was my life that was what I did that was my highest goal in life Christ looked at me and he loved me you know what the irony of that beautiful irony is I think that's why I love him so much because he saw my junk he saw my garbage he saw the stuff I've done he still love me and what makes us think that that model wouldn't work in a relationship with another person another person that you see their junk you see their you see their 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 vulgarity you see the things that they do and those things are you just don't want to see them but you see them and you make a decision like Christ to love them anyways how guaranteed are you I, in fact i don't know if there's a guarantee i can say to this but you have a better chance of getting love back that way than by than by withholding love. I promise you that. Let's pray, right. Father. We thank you, God, that you're here in this place, Father. We want to pray right now for relationships in this room, relationships that may be struggling, that maybe they're stuck in this transactional model of love, and they're just they're giving love to get love, and sometimes it's just not working out, and it leads to arguments, it leads to saying some very hurtful things to each other, and, uh, and we're just not, we're not thriving as a, in a relationship. Father, I just pray that you will, that you will intervene, that Holy Spirit, you will step in, that you will begin to do the work, that you will reveal to us this truth, that you are the source of love for, Not my, not my wife, not Christy, not other people, not my children, not my parents. Father, you are the source of love for me. And I lean into that, Father. And Father, when things aren't going well in my life, Lord, I lean into the fact that you are the source of love for me. God, I get all of my identity. I get all of my strength. I get all of my love from you, Father. I thank you, God, that you're doing that right now in all of our hearts.